Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. And it's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert. Let Aaron do for you, which she and her team did for Craig and Linda when they made the move to Georgetown. Very easy, seamless home loan process. Get over to BowersockTeam.com. That is Aaron Bowersock. She is your home loan expert. All right. If you missed it last hour, my man Hudson Standish has a story up at Horns 24-7 with the latest on Warren Roberson, the uh, four-star defensive back out of Red Oak, committed to TCU. Sounds like Tuesday is going to be the day that his announcement is made. But Hudson has gathered some intel from some sources, and I'll just read verbatim from his report. I'm going to a source that has been money on the Roberson situation. Said the source strongly believes that Roberson sent in his national letter of intent to the school of his choice on Wednesday but asked to keep it quiet until he was able to make the announcement on his terms. While everything we've gathered leads us to believe that Texas is the pick for Roberson following a home run official visit last weekend, sources on the TCU and USC sides seem to indicate more of a battle for Roberson than what we gathered from sources on our side. So TCU and USC people think it's still a fight. Uh, everything still looks pretty good for Texas. As Hudson said, he's hearing that perhaps the national letter of intent was sent in already on Wednesday, that the school of his choice has that. They're just not making it public. They're waiting for him to make the announcement. So we'll see how things play out with Warren Roberson. And then other than that, you've really got the, the Deuce Robinson pro baseball versus college sports decision that probably won't be made. Well, it won't be made for sure until this summer once he sees how the draft plays. And it might take place before that, depending on what the draft outlook is. Aaron Hogan and I were talking about that in the first hour uh, for Deuce Robinson in the draft. It's all going to depend on, you know, what kind of money is going to get him to get off of the football commitment to wherever he's planning on going. You know, is, is third or fourth round money enough? Does it have to be first round money or, or sandwich pick money? What, whatever the case is, uh, whatever that signing bonus is. And again, it's gotta be a team that, you know, it, it's so hard with the, with the salary, with the draft salary pools, the way they're structured now and the slot values for pick. Plus the fact that anything you go over a certain dollar amount from the 11th round on, the fact that that comes out of your bonus pool for the top 10 rounds, you know, you have to be, if you're a major league baseball team, you have to be really careful if you know you're going to go over slot to sign somebody. You almost have to have a really good plan going into the draft and really have a good idea that that plan is going to play out as you expect it to. So it's going to take a while for things to play out with Deuce Robinson, but Warren Roberson, it seems like things are kind of starting to come uh, to an end with that. And Tuesday, it looks like, is going to be the day uh, on that. Let's go to uh, talk Texas and Kansas State, the rematch of that game. Texas lost uh, early on in Big 12 play. Uh, it's the only home loss for Texas to this point. You look at the other games Texas has lost. Uh, you know They've lost games on the road. Uh, they lost a neutral side game to Illinois. But the K-State loss, uh, that was one that uh, – that caught, caught people by surprise, caught me by surprise. I just don't think at the time we realized how good K-State was going to be. I don't think anybody knew how good K-State was at that point. But you look at what they've done since then, uh, You know whether you're talking about Keontae Johnson or Marquise Noel, those are two guys that are squarely in the conversation for Big 12 Player of the Year. Marcus Carr also squarely in that conversation. Uh, you, know, you look at what Texas did last time. I really felt like one of the keys for Texas in that game that went against them is if you remember Christian Bishop left that game midway through the first half with a back injury, I felt like at that point once he went out, 
Texas really had no interior defensive presence. K State was a presence. K State was able to get a lot of easy buckets in the lane, get to the rim pretty easily. But a couple of things are different from that game. One, Christian Bishop's healthy now. Two, Dylan DeSue is playing with a lot more confidence than he was at that point and playing much better basketball. And three, it really seems like Dylan Mitchell is starting to understand his role and really embracing his role on both ends of the court and is becoming more, not that he's a total and complete rim protector, but he's a much more reliable rim protector now than even he was at that point. So I think for the Texas bigs to offer rim protection, eliminate easy buckets, and you got to remember how well K-State shot the three in that game. They were lights out shooting from the outside. And I don't know that you can expect K-State to shoot the ball that well on Saturday. Uh, you know, when you look at, they just, it seemed like every time Texas started to make a run at the lead, K-State would just, it, it was Noel or it was Johnson, somebody would come through and hit a big three. Um, as I pull up again, we have internet, but struggling a little bit on the uh, on the Wi-Fi front. K-State shooting the three in that game in Austin. They were 13 for 24 shooting the three, 54.2% from three in that game. And, you know, if you look at the Texas side on that game, again, like I mentioned, uh, your big struggled a little bit. Dylan DeSue, for example, 10 minutes, he only scored two points, two rebounds in 10 minutes. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, 23 minutes, eight points, but only grabbed two rebounds. Texas got beat up on the boards in that game. Uh, They were minus seven on the glass in that game. Uh, and your bench production really wasn't there. Outside of Jabari Rice, didn't, again, Christian Bishop was hurt, didn't get a whole lot from Brock Cunningham. And Arterio Morris is a guy coming off the bench that really seems to understand his role better now, much more than he did even at that point. That was a game where you got, you got 29 from Tyrese Hunter, you got 17, or excuse me, 27 from Marcus Carr. Uh, if, you, if you're in a game, if you're Texas, if you get 20-plus, from Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr, and you get double figures from Jabari Rice and Timmy Allen, nine out of ten times you're going to win the game. That was just the one time where you didn't because you were so bad on defense. And I think the thing also that's changed with Texas defensively, and and this is going to be the key if they can do this on the road, you look at the win over Baylor, the wins over Oklahoma State, even go back to their win over Oklahoma, when Texas has won games in Big 12 play under Rodney Terry, the defense hasn't been great all the time, but they've been able to get stops when they've really needed to buckle down and get stops during critical possessions in the final eight to four minutes of a game. During that time, they've really been able to buckle down and get the stops when they need them. If you look at the losses, they didn't do that in the first meeting with K-State. They didn't do that in the loss to Iowa State on the road. You know, The Illinois game earlier in the year, that was not a conference game, and that was a whole different ball of wax why things went haywire the way they did at the end of that game. So, and then the Tennessee game, they didn't get stops in that game either when they needed to. Again, another non-conference game, but they didn't get stops down the stretch when they needed to. When you tie the game and then, you know, you give up 11 in a row, it's just, you know, I think two things still hold true about Texas. Can you get critical stops when you need them? Like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm simple, oversimplifying everything, but sometimes in sports, that's not really that hard to figure out, you know, what you need to do to win a game. For Texas, I think it's, it's twofold. It's can you get critical stops at critical times when you need them? And then two, can you eliminate those long stretches? You had them in the loss in Ames and you had them in the loss in Knoxville. Can you eliminate those stretches of like five, six, seven minutes without a bucket? You had two of those prolonged stretches 
in the loss to Iowa State. So that's to me what it all boils down to is, and I think the fact that Marcus Carr came through in the clutch the other night against Baylor in a game where he scored five points, I think that shows maturity. I think that shows a little evolution uh, on, on his part. In terms, of, I, I've said this before about him. I think as much as he's had to play without the ball. I think that's made him much better when he's back on the ball, understanding how the offense flows, where it needs to go, making sure the ball doesn't get stuck. So, uh, you know, whether he scores 25 or 5, getting a productive, consistent winning effort from Marcus Carr is going to be huge the rest of the way. Uh, this texture says, oh, Jesus, Bramlage Coliseum. <laughs> The most whiny, and I won't say that word on the air, fans in the conference whine and cry with every foul call. Do you know what, Texter? I think you could say that about most Big 12 road arenas. I know, like, back in the day when I was covering Baylor, man, it, it got to the point where it annoyed you. Like, almost every every possession was either a foul on the opponent or it was an offensive foul when they had the ball. And every call was a bad call. And the refs are on the take or whatever. Uh, granted, some arenas are worse than others, but I think you get a little bit of that uh, in every <laughs> every arena. Uh, Sir Gringo, you talking about the uh, which player was it from K-State that had the, the couple of guys? I know Noel. Uh, he's talking about Marquise Noel, who scored 36 points and uh, went 6 for 10 from 3. Sir Gringo says Texas let Gary Coleman score 36 points and go 6 for 10 from 3. Marquise Noel's not that short, is he? Look up Marquise Noel. Okay, Marquise Noel's 5'8", so maybe he was a little bit on the short end. But those are Sir Gringo's words. I'm just reiterating, uh, not mine specifically. So, uh, But that's it. That's where things stand on uh, the Texas basketball front. Talk reiterated a little Texas recruiting. Don't forget the alumni game taking place at, uh, at the Dish tomorrow. Uh, gates are going to open at 830. You've got autograph signings and batting practice, and you get to play catch in the outfield. Kids are going to get to run the bases. So, uh, if you just need to get outside, I know a lot of us, hey, some people just need to get outside, get some fresh air. Uh, if you're looking for a good way to do it, a free experience for the family, I know, man, going to a ball game for a family of more than three, uh, even my wife and I, we've taken our daughter and we've gone to like an Astros game. It can get pricey. Uh, if you're looking for just a fun, free sports-related activity, man, the alumni game is really, really good. So head out to the dish tomorrow. Uh, 8.30 is when the gates are going to open, and they'll have all kinds of stuff leading up to the game. And then again, kids get to run the bases afterwards. So, And you get to see some of those new Longhorns that Aaron Hogan and I talked about in the first segment of this show. Uh, you'll get to see... Jalen Flores and Jared Thomas uh, get that battle at second base between Jack O'Dowd and Jaden Duplantier. Get to see Porter Brown in the outfield. So it's going to be really good to see. And then uh, I don't know who's pitching for the uh, for the varsity team tomorrow, but I'm sure you'll see quite a few arms working through there. I'm sure it's whoever's day it is would be to pitch uh, in a in a split squad. It would be it's going to be their day to pitch tomorrow. So uh, whether it's Lucas Gordon, maybe it's Zane Morehouse, whoever it is. Uh, you know, you'll get to see some of those new arms that you're looking for. Not just the new arms, but arms that we saw a little bit last year looking for guys to step up and take on more prominent roles and bring some consistency, not just to the rotation, but to the bullpen as well. Uh, Texter response said, I get that about the home arenas. We said Bramlage is the worst. I've never been to Bramlage. Uh, maybe that's something I'll, I'll get with Craig about in the, uh, in the time we've got before the game. Again, that game is coming up tomorrow. 3 o'clock, 2.30 with the pregame. Craig and Eddie Orn from Bramlin's Coliseum. It's here on the Horn and across the Austin Radio Network. Also streaming on the Horn app. You can follow the prompts uh, to get the audio stream if you listen to it on the stream. Uh, and then 3 o'clock is the tip with Texas and K-State.